Through innovation, academic excellence, and family-centered clinical care, Children's Mercy Kansas City is transforming outcomes for children around the world. Welcome to the audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host, Dr. Michael Smith. Welcome to Transformational Pediatrics. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Our topic Goldilocks, getting medication doses is just right for kids. My guest is Dr. Steve Leader. He's the department chair in pediatric clinical pharmacology and chief of the division of clinical pharmacology and medical toxicology. Dr. Leader is board certified in applied pharmacology by the American Board of Clinical Pharmacology. Dr. Leader, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, tell us about the mission and goals of what is called the Goldilocks Initiative. Well, the um, just to put it in a, a nutshell, it's uh, um, the dose or the dose that's not too big, not too small, that's just right for um, your child. And uh, underlying that uh, concept is uh, the reality that individual children are not small average adults, which is the way that most um, dosing recommend, uh, recommendations have been um, developed. And... Um, you know, our program is uh, uh, trying to identify those factors that make each child unique and um, use those to help uh, guide uh, the doses that will ultimately be used for an individual child. So the guidelines that might come out of this initiative, are, are, is the, are these guidelines that are going to be used by general practitioners, uh, maybe not uh, pediatricians, but uh, maybe family uh, practice physicians that are treating kids, or, or I guess maybe who's, who's really the target for these guidelines that might come out of this? Well, I think initially um, we are working with um, partners, pediatric subspecialists here within um, our own institution. Um, but when it comes to uh, actually disseminating uh, the experiences that we have and making them more broadly applicable, um, we really would like to reach um, um, general pediatricians in the community, um, pediatric subspecialists at other institutions. And so what this means is that ultimately we're hoping to develop uh, web-based uh, dosing algorithms or web-based decision support tools um, that ultimately would be accessible to uh, anyone who has a, an Internet connection. So what subspecialties in, in pediatrics are you working with right now with, with the initiative? We actually have several pediatric subspecialists who have undergone formal clinical pharmacology training and are embedded, uh, defined as being physically located within our clinical pharmacology group. Um, we Probably the biggest opportunities right now are in the area of, uh, of cancer, so pediatric cancer. We see opportunities in um, developmental and behavioral sciences, particularly um, in ADHD, and perhaps the use of antipsychotics and uh, antidepressants in children with autism um, depression. We also have partners in uh, cardiology where we are anticipating uh, increase in use of statin medications uh, in children, and uh, we would like to be preemptive in coming up with uh, safe and effective dosing guidelines for that class of uh, medications. Um, asthma is another area where uh, we have faculty with a specific interest in um, improving drug treatment there. Neonatology uh, is another one of our partners, and uh, multiple opportunities there. 
GI, particularly in the field of um, inflammatory bowel disease, has lots of opportunities where we are working. And then uh, we also have an infectious disease um, specialist in our group who is uh, looking at things from the perspective of minimizing adverse drug reactions. So we, uh, we've probably got six or eight areas where we are, are fairly active right now. So, you know, uh, thinking back to my uh, third year in medical school, Dr. Leader, and, and, and we did our, our, pe- our initial pediatric rotation, and then we, we were able to do some electives, and I chose a couple of pediatric uh, subspecialties. And one of the things that always was just astounded me was how one child could have such a positive reaction to a drug, whether it was for asthma or even in, even in you know, certain chemo uh, therapies or you know whatever one one child just has this amazing response but what seems to be the same disease same symptoms in a different child that that drug just doesn't do anything and so why why is it why is there such a a a difference in response from one child to another with the same medication well i i guess the uh the uh, most obvious answer to that is that uh each each child is um, genetically distinct, uh, for example, and has had uh, different um, environmental exposures as they, they grow and develop. But I think, um, uh, you know, you really have to look at the question from a couple of different um, perspectives. And the first is, you know, those um, dosing guidelines that uh, you were taught as a, um, a resident, uh, where those dosing guidelines came from. And um, to be honest, it's, um, those are largely empirical guidelines. And one of the major problems in pediatrics is the uh, lack of uh, an evidence base that can really associate the dose that um, a child should get with what the expected or desired therapeutic response might be. And part of this is because um, the initial dosing guidelines that we have to work with are those that during the the uh, drug development process basically um, fell out of a, uh, a drug development strategy that sought to determine the dose that on average produced the desired therapeutic response in adults. And really those types of uh, dosing recommendations are directed at a population. We know within any given population, uh, you know, if you view a population of patients as a, um, a bell-shaped uh, curve, um, you know, you've got people at, uh, at extremes of the population that uh, are obviously quite different from each other. And the, the big problem when we start um, a child on medication is that we, generally speaking, don't have any idea where within that um, population distribution they're going to fall yet they will all be started at a dose of a medication that's really targeted for uh, those individuals who fall under the hump of the, uh, the bell curve. And uh, really to deal with the situation that you're talking about, we really would like to have some sort of information um, before a child starts um, a drug that would allow us to have some sort of idea where within that population distribution they might fall so that one might uh, start with a dose that may be more appropriate for their location within the uh, population distribution. And so that's where, you know, the Goldilocks program really comes into play, is that we're trying to focus on those individuals that uh, are those factors that make each child unique, starting with uh, the G of Goldilocks, which is um, genomic, 
and the O, which uh, refers to ontogeny or, or the stage of um, development. And I think that's really the challenge is moving away from uh, viewing the dose that's going to be administered to a child from sort of a population perspective to one that is a little bit more individualized in, in nature. And it's that challenge of moving away from the population perspective to that of the individual that really is um, the most um, uh, difficult to do, but also uh, the most rewarding if we're ever able to do it, accomplish those goals. You mentioned that the, eventually, when this is released, that there's going to be a web-based application of this of the guidelines. What what will that look like? What what will be the user's experience of that site? Well, um, first of all, this is largely uh, conceptual in nature right now. Uh, but what we would be an- anticipating is a um, something that looks like a dashboard and um, opportunities for um, people to enter the information that um, the, the research tells us is uh, most important for determining the um, dose required in a given uh, child to, to reach a particular um, exposure. And by exposure, I mean the sort of product of uh, drug concentration over time with the uh, assumption that uh, the amount of uh, drug in the body at a given period of time is going to be uh, somewhat predictive of the re- response that one can anticipate. And um, the type of information that may be required uh, to be entered will be dependent upon the particular uh, medication, but it might be things like um, the child's age, um, height and weight, um, hematocrit, um, albumin, the types of things that uh, we uh, suspect might influence uh, drug disposition. Uh, the most important factor, though, would be um, genetic information for those medications that are subject to um, metabolism by a pathway that is known to be uh, genetically um, variant within the population and for which that genetic variation plays a significant role in that dose exposure uh, relationship. Uh, but again, the, the amount of information will and the type of information will depend, be dependent on the drug, but those factors that I mentioned would be sort of a minimum yeah. set. So, Dr. Leader, it just lastly, is there a, a timeline here uh, when you're looking to get the initiative and the guidelines complete, the website up? Well, right now we are um, working with um, uh, one drug and one gene as our uh, proof of principle project. Uh, the drug is um, um, atomoxetine, marketed um, as Stratera. Most people probably know it as Stratera. And the genetic pathway is one that's called cytochrome P452D6, CYP2D6. Uh, we have completed one study where we... Um, um, investigated the pharmacokinetics of um, atomoxetine in a group of uh, children with ADHD who had different or specific um, genotypes or, or combinations of um, variant forms of the cytochrome P452D6 gene. And, and that study allowed us to characterize the um, extent of variability within that we could anticipate within the population. And in fact, um, we gave each child a dose of uh, half a milligram per kilo, and we found that the amount of 
drug in the in the body over a 24-hour period ranged uh, 50-fold between the uh, child who had the slowest uh, capacity to eliminate the drug and the most rapid uh, capacity to eliminate the drug. And so uh, armed with that, now we're designing a study to see if uh, we have um, adequate uh, knowledge with our with our model and the factors that contribute to variability in the amount of um, atomoxetine that's in the system to see whether we can actually individual, uh, individualize a dose to produce the same exposure um, in any child that may be prescribed mm-hmm. that drug with the intent of uh, eventually looking at genetic variation in the drug target as being another source of variability in uh, who responds or doesn't respond to the medication. So we're for that uh, prototype, we are uh, maybe oh, a third of the way where we want to be right now. Okay. That's nice. Well, Dr. Leader, I want to thank you for everything that you're doing. It sounds like you're on the right track here, and it sounds like you're going to have some impressive results soon. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Mike. Have a great day.